This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. I, I guess this is something we also do in Yeshiva. Um, we have Amlava Malka every few weeks. And what I do is I speak on a biography of a Godel who's, um, it started with somebody whose yard site would be the following month, but we ran out of people whose yard site I could identify, <laughs> and he also realized that there are about six months a year when I couldn't do it, so we're going more in chronological order. Um, so one of the challenges in history and biography is finding um, facts and tying them together. So it's one thing somebody lived the last 50 years, 100 years, and you have a lot of people wrote. When you go back in time, it's very, very hard to um, get really material that's reliable. If somebody today picks up a pen and writes about the Rambam, the question is, how do you know it? Where did you get it from? And unfortunately, anything that's Balpez is not reliable because a story changes every time you say it. And the so-called known stories, most of them have no shaykhs. So the things that, um, the, the, so I try to tell people where I got my information from. And, and it's the, the second problem is uh, people, academics, look for facts, but you're building a story. You're not, a telephone book is the most accurate factual record of, of a city. It's worth nothing as a story. You, you, you have to make the story. So putting the pieces together depends on the person's predisposition, on his um, you know, attitude and so on. That's why it's extremely difficult. But just it, try to do what we can and, and so on so that we can sketch out uh, history and so on. The person that I wanted to speak about, the, the, whose turn is Rabbeinu Gershom, and he is a foundational figure for Ashkenaz Jewry, even Sephardim can be nice about him. It's not, it's not, you know, it's, uh, he, 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 and there is very little known about him. Now, everybody knows the story of why he asked the two wives. The pro- there's a problem with that story. Um, the source is Rabbi Marcus Lehman. He was a person who did wonders. German Jews, you know, in, in his time knew nothing. He wrote novels for kids to read so that they get a lot of ideas and facts and words and so on. It was not an attempt to be a history in any sense of it. People don't realize it. It was a Chachem, and this was an, an amazing enterprise that kids, instead of reading about German fairy tales, they would read about all sorts of mythical Jewish figures. So he would have names that he would drop, and he would build a story around it, and, which is wonderful, but it, it's, not, it's not history, it's not biography. So his whole story at Rabbeinu Gershom, it, there's no fact to it. The fact is, yes, so kids learned there was somebody named Rabbeinu Gershom. They learned he was very important. They learned he made his surim. They learned that. Those were things, but the whole story of it is no fact. And he never claimed that, it, that it had, that's based on anything. But it came in people's... So I'll try a little bit. To, to where did, where's the best source of information that I found? Um, there, there, is, there was a, a person who died a few years ago. His name was Rabbi Shapansky. 
Rabbi Saul Shapansky. His son was my chavrusa in the mir, and he's a shiva today in, in the mir in New York. And he wrote, he was a scholarly person, he was a Tam Chacham, a scholarly person. And he wrote Hatakanis um, Be Yisrael. That's a three or four volumes of all Takanas from the Gemara on afterwards. Very, a very um, a scholarly work very, of, of great quality. And Rabbi Negeshem is obviously an important figure. And he basically is probably the last person that sums up everything that's known about him, which is not much. And um, he also has all the Takanas and all the supposed Takanas and so on and so forth. And he, um, and he, you know, he discusses it, whatever shittas there are, whatever day is, whatever arguments, and so on and so forth. But, but that's the, I found that to be the best because he's the latest, most information, and is all, um, and it's laid out in the presence of Talmud Chacham. The, in the back of the Encyclopedia Talmudis, they have on the, on the section of Cherem, and Cherem and Gershon, they have a huge addendum in the back, doesn't have any historical or biographical material, but it discusses the, the Haram and so on and so forth. So what, where did he live and, 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 what, was, and what was his, um, you know, where does he stand in Jewish history? So the Golos, we spoke about Golos now, Claudius was kicked out of Eretz Yisrael, Bavel was by far and large the most important community out, there was something in Mitzrayim at different times, but Bavel was the most important part. There was later in, in North Africa, and that's where the Gaonim lived. And that was the hundreds from, from, the, you know, from the Gemara onwards until close to the end of the millennium. That was, that was pretty much where we lived. Then they began migrating outwards in two directions. Spain, obviously, that's west. Everybody was Mekayim, go west, young man. The question was, was it directly west or northwest? Italy became the next station. That's the next uh, north. And from Italy, people migrated to France and to Germany. Or, and, and there were no countries in those days. Uh, the, it was a lot of little uh, fiefdoms of different types. But that's, that's where it went. So that's where Ashkenaz Jury came from. The migration northwards from Italy upwards, that was the beginning of what we would call Ashkenaz communities. They settled in Germany along the Rhine, France, and, and that, that, that area. And that became really the, the bedrock for a, a German Ashkenazi Jewry, which was in France and in Germany. Rabbi Gershom was born something like 960, not clear. He, was, he died in, in 1028. His Matseva is still around in a museum in Berlin for wherever, whoever's planning the next trip, museum in Berlin might be a good place to go. We have that, and we have the ksuba of a second wife also. He had remarried, is, and that ksuba we have. Um, it's a ksuba dirkus actually, and that's also around. Those are the two artifacts we have of that. So he lived in that area, and from at the turn of the century, at the turn of the millennium, that's where he lived. The Marshal writes in a place that he was a Talmud of Rav Haigon, so that would connect him. Rav Haigon was pretty much a contemporary of his. He was born a little earlier, died a little later. Rav Haigon lived a long time, but pretty much they overlapped. We don't have a record that they really connected. We don't, we don't know if he means it, it was a Talmud of his literally, or just that he follows the Masoza to Gaonim. But in Jewish history, this was a turning point. Gaonim had their own style of leadership. 
It was focused around a yeshiva, which was sort of a, a central institution. They had their way of learning, which was also uniquely theirs. They were almost a continuation of the Gemara. They, they really gave back and forth and reasons. They basically said pretty much like the Messiahs, how they got things. They, you know, this is, this is how our Messiahs into yeshivas. Most of the Gonim, when they wrote this, there are no back and forth and lengthy. That's going with the beginning of uh, German French jury uh, with the Balitosvis, with 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 the beginning of Spanish jury, and and you know with the Rishonim, you began to have a whole new style of learning. So this was a pivotal point in 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 that in in in, the, in history. Rabbi Gershom, we have a pirush on Gemaras. Different Gemaras that on the side is written Rabbeinu Gershom, and it's very similar to Rashi. And Rashi Kojin will quote. Now, um, it's not clear if it's really Rabbeinu Gershom. I want to explain this. When when all of these things were written in manuscripts, the manuscripts do not look like books with like you know Chidush Rabbeinu Gershom Alashas printed by this person, sponsored by Asher Publication, or something like that. It doesn't look like that at all. It's a manuscript. And it's copied and recopied, and somebody has bits and pieces. The, pers- the people who made the shas that we have made a concerted effort to find very good manuscripts and things that they could publish. It was actually a non-Jewish person, a good businessman, and he realized Jews like Svarim, and he, and he was the one who, who really put together a team that did it. So they found these, these type of manuscripts that they felt would go well, that are important. Now, it's very hard to print something and write, there's a limit to how many you could have. So they would attribute it to, to you know, there would be all sorts of clues. So it is from Rabbi Gershom's Cheder. In other words, it's him, it's his Talmidim, or possibly the other way around. Like possibly there were, it was a base medrash, they, they have names for it, it was, it was Magencia, Chidushim. Um, it, it basically, it did revolve around him, but we're not sure that that's his, it, it, directly. Again, this is either Talmidim of his, or colleagues of his, Rebbeim plus him, but it, it's his, and it's the first, it's a peerish that is kind of reminiscent of Rashi, much more brief, much less explained, but it, it, it's a type of pirush, which, which in the Gonim you don't find. This was a pirush on the Gemara. You don't find in the Gonim a, a pirush in Gemara. They, they shuvis, basically, and halacha summations. That's, that's it. That's one thing that we have from him. Um, we have also shuvis that are quoted in other sfarim. Many of the things that he said or wrote are quoted. Taisvis quotes other Rishonim quote, so, so his psukim uh, and so on, that had been quoted in Al-Sfar. He wrote a piyot, which we say Rosh Hashanah and, 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 and Slichas, Schar Bris, very famous piyot, En very famous piyot, that's his piyot, and that became part, of, part and parcel of, of, of uh, the mainstay of our Slichas. We say it in Ila, we say it in Slichas, and so on. Those are things that, he, he, that we know that he wrote. There's one more tragic thing that we know about him. Um, the, 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 it's brought down in the Mordechai, it's brought in Alocha, 
he had a son who converted to Christianity, and it says that he sat 14 days shiva, unclear in the Lashonas that are written as to whether or not it's when he died and he sat a double shiva, or it's, it's just when he converted. But that's brought down, that's written, and, 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 and so we know that as a fact. We don't know if it was because he was forced under pressure, whatever it is, that's already, it's conjecture. But Lemaisa, we do have it. It is interesting that one of the takhanis that the Gersha made was that you should never remind a person who had converted and did tshuva of his past. That's one of them. Interesting, it was obviously a phenomenon that, that occurred. Um, it, it could be it, it was under a lot of pressure, but whatever it is, it's very interesting. It's one of the things that Rabbi Gershom writes. But that, that's a fact that's mentioned and brought down. And, and in halach, it's brought down about a fechiv avelus on, on someone that, that Lalenu, you know, was smart and so on. That, that's that's it's a piece that we have. What he became more famous for, now, he's called Rashi in, in his chuvis, calls him the Ma'or HaGola, um, which is incredible. Ma'or HaGola means the light of the Golas. Um, not clear what basis. In other places it says he was Meir Enenu with his Takanis, in some places it says with, with his Pirushim, but he, he was recognized as being the Ma'or HaGola, which is an extraordinary title. I'm not, I'm not aware anyone else had that title. Um, but it, obviously the fact that he established the Jewish communities in, in a halachic way in Germany and so on and so forth means that it's, um, it, it's he, he, he put it on foundations that made it viable and so on. Where are now? He became famous for takanis that he made. Um, again, we have no original copies of any sefer that lists takanis. We have in latest for him mention of his takanis. And um, the most famous, reliable place is Marami Rottenberg, who was much later, and he was from the Dole Ashkenaz and the, the Rebbe of the Rosh and so on, and he, he lists it in a tshuva, he lists the takanis. There are an extraordinary amount of different and conflicting sources about how many takanis he made how many takanis were the those takanis that um, he personally made? How many were takanis that were made together with everybody else? How many takanis were old takanis that he just reestablished? And how many takanis were made by people after him, but it just sort of was swept under? The listings are anywhere from, you know, two to three to 60, 70. We have, we have up to 60, 70 takanis that in one safe or another, are listed as a tribute of Benigesha. Not something that, that um, we, there's any way to, to clarify it because it's so, um, it's so vague. And, and, you know, and, and the Lashonas are different. Asha Tikin Alpira Benigeshem, Asha Benigeshem, the Chaveir of Tiknu, and so on and so forth. What was the Nidu? What was the Cherem? What was this? What was that? Very, very um, unclear. The Takanis range. So, so in the big picture, they range from things like non, not marrying to women, which, which was a big, major undertaking um, in, in terms of halacha. 
It's basically a really kind of, it's, it's not conflicting in, in Africa, but it's, you know, it's, it's a huge takana. On the other hand, some, a lot of those takanas, these are the ones that are more credibly his, about when you could stop davening if somebody has a problem, when you can patch on the beaver, when you can't. It, the takanas that range are very fascinating in, 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 you know, in, this, in the scope of it. A lot of things about shuls, when you can take somebody's safe if it owes you money, when can't you take a safe if it owes you money, and things of that nature, from very big to very small. These takanis are interesting um, because they also seem to tell us about what was important in, 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 um, in those days. You assume that you have only X amount of takanis you could make, and you save them for the most important things. So one type of takana that keeps coming up a lot deals with ma'arufia, which is leasing. Jews made parnasa in those days. By, this was before they had health care, so, so, so you needed parnasa someplace else. So the way they had parnasa was they would rent, they would lease um, estates from, from non-Jews. They would lease money, in other words, I'll take a block of X amount of, of, of dollars and I'll lend it out in small parcels. They were, they were go-betweens. Now, the money that you paid, so when you lease something, if somebody outbids you, 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 you lose, obviously. So you say, I'm willing to give you for, this castle is worth X amount of money per month. Someone else comes like, give you more than that. So he made, and this is actually many of the Dentoras brought to shown him deal with this topic. This is a topic that's very, very um, common, and obviously, and he created takanis that you cannot. It's called hasagas gvul, and he extended the concept of hasagas gvul so that you cannot outbid someone in leasing on the estate and so on and so forth. This, this is, this, this obviously dovetails with what we know of those tkufis, that this was a major source of Parnassa. If you would allow people to bid wildly, it would kill it for everybody. And, and Bimela, they made a Takanis as well. In terms of Ishus, the famous one is not to give a get balkarachach and not to take two wives. It's debated as to what was the reason. This, this is why Marcus Lehman had a, a whole... Uh, uh, um, you know, a whole story built around an unhappy marriage of his with two women. There's, there's no base for that. But the question was, what was the reason? What would happen, Manishtana, that now it became a problem? Um, one interesting proposal by, by, by Kadmainim is that since the, 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 the Gentiles were Christian, they did not take two wives, the Jews looked like they, it, it, they, they, were, they, they were scorned because they, they're doing something criminal like that. And that's why those living in the Muslim countries, there was no Xayr, they didn't, it wasn't, you know, the Muslims took many wives, so that was fine. And this, that, I don't know, we don't have any record of it, we don't know why, but those are the two, two of his famous takanis in terms of issues. Um, so you can, you do not give a get karachach and you, um, and you do not take two wives. An interesting question that arose is, if Bezin, so there, there is a mechanism, there are mechanisms, Hetemir Abanim, which I'll discuss in a minute, and if, it's, if there's a, 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 a time of an onus of some sort, they're matter it. 
so let's say you have a woman who's incapacitated and totally, you know, it's, and, and in a coma or something, and the question is, should we be not taking another wife or be not giving her get without her you know, possible consent? An interesting Shaila in, in, in the Chubas farm. The, um, there was a heter of, again, it's brought down um, in different variations, of 100 Rabbanim in three countries of three Kehillas. That was, that was and again, the different Gersos, different firm are unclear. And that's the famous or infamous Hetemir Rabbanim, depending on which side you're on, um, or, or, or based at Rabbanim. Another Machlokas Rishonim was how long was that Takana meant to be? Some Rishonim bring that the Takana was only meant to be for um, that elef, that thousand, that, that millennia of Jewish history. And Bemela, it became bottle something like the 1500s and 1400s. Um, it's Machlokas Rishonim. Everybody's moda, even those who say that the Takana itself is bottle. Once we're knowing like that, it has a status of a minute. But it does not have the status of, of a cherem and, and so on. That's, but, but that is a, a shayla in, in, in Shonim, whether, whether or not that Takana was meant to us or not. What, what makes the, as, as this whole thing astounding, the Rush writes in his Chuvis, that there is no such thing as making a Takana for Kal Yisrael that stopped with the end of the Bezna Gadol. And any community can have its own takanis, but the other thing is a takana for Kal Yisrael. And the, um, to which, to which the, um, and the Rosh says, only somebody of the stature of Rabbi Negershom could possibly make such a takana, and that's kept. That's why it's true, it says, it, it speaks to, to, to Rabbi Negershom was the yachid that could do it. It could also be, it, was, it, was, it, wasn't, it probably was not a large community in, in, in Ashkenaz at the time, and he was the dominant figure, he was the Rebbe figure, and Bemela, once that Takana came in place, everyone else for it, but the Rush writes in it, Zulas, he, 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 somebody asked him about Takana from a community and so on, and he said, there's no such thing as a cross-community um, Takana, a Takana is local by definition, and except, this is, this is an extraordinary exception. So we have a takana of, um, so we spoke about a takana of, of in, in Ishus, not having two wives, not giving get bar karcha. He has a takana, um, uh, the, not to remind about truth of his past. He has the famous cherem, not to, not to read mail of somebody else. And people would, would sort of write on top of letters that they sent cherem benegeshen, also chadrag. There's another interesting takana that he made that, that is, is starkly important. Not to be magia gemaris al pisvara. In other words, like this. A Sefer Torah, um, you, you, there are always mistakes creep in. People write, people are human, and they make a mistake. The only way in which we can um, keep Sefer Torahs correct is the gemaris says you go by Sarov. So if I find five Sefer Torah, I have one Nusach, and two Sefer Torah, another Nusach, you go by roll. So Sefer Torah is, is relatively limited. It's done with great care when you write it. You have to have in the Shema and so on. So, so this, this, it, it's it kept to some minimal. Gemaras are, are incredibly big. 
Masech, just forget about the Rishonim everything, but the Gemaras themselves are incredibly big. And it's not written with the same intensity as the Sefer Torah. And inevitably, mistakes creep in. Now, how do I go about uh, fixing them? There's a, 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 there's a story, and again, I, 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 I'm not putting it as a star too, but it's a cute story that there was, in the old days, Gemaras were scarce, and somebody had, there was somebody in Brisk who would borrow Gemaras. You know, everybody borrowed Gemaras to learn. But this person would put in his, he would put in his comments on the side and sign his name off it. He was, so he came once, he needed a sect that wasn't around, and he asked Reb Chaim Brisk if he can, if he can uh, borrow his Gemara. So he said, on one condition, no comments and no signing your name on the side. You know, no, none of that. So he said, okay. He got to a Mishnah. It says, the Mishnah, is a Mishnah, it's, it, the Mishnah it says, speaks about he is a Hamar Gomel. Hamar Gomel means a donkey, uh, uh, a, a donkey camel. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's words doesn't mean anything. What it means is, it, it's, means it's as if somebody's being schlepped in two ways by a donkey and a camel. It's, a, it's, a, it's an air of point. This person looked at it and he said, it's a clear mistake. Uh, I, so he wrote on the side, and signed his name off on it. Or he didn't sign it. So he brought it back to Chaim Briska. He was very upset. And he said, once again, you did both things. You changed it and you signed your name. So, you know, like, that was, but, but it's very easy. So people would, would, would change their sauce. And this is something that it, sometimes it fixed it, sometimes it wrecked havoc because the person, it, whatever it is, if you want to take a look at Hamigir Sosta and Gemaras, there is a machon in Etzisrol, they put out the Dukhi Sefer Shalom, it's called. It has, a, a, you know, I don't know how many sons they have, every, every possible gear source. It's in the thousands. Most of them are very relevant. Most, you know, the, all the difference in different manuscripts. There's any of a safe. So he made a takana not to be Magia Misvara. That seems to be. In other words, if you find different manuscripts that, that, that are more than the one you found, and if they override it, so they override it. But just because it doesn't make sense to you, you don't do it. If you'll take a look, the way that, that became, uh, the way that became in polyesterol acceptable, if you take a look at something like the Marshal, who made a lot of Hagos and Gersos, he always writes them on the side. There's a little Aleph, a little this, and it's written on the side. They don't change inside, even if it's very clear. So any type of Hagar that's Misvara, they'll put on the side as a suggestion. Tosavis, Rashi also deals a lot with Gersos. The Gersos that Rashi writes um, usually become part of the Gemara. Um, most of the time you'll see it. It's not clear which came first, but, but, but it, 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 it's obvious if Rashi is changing the Gersa, and we have this Gersa Rashi has, probably that's where it came. Tosvis will, will, will bring Gersos and talk about it. But it, it was not, there was a general regression to change actually in that. Um, yes? What if the, so what if the Hashivas of the Vilna shot that we use? What if the, I mean, there was the Bomberg and the Basel, but somehow Vilna has become the, so, the Vilna Shas was the nicest one. It, it was, first of all, aesthetically, it's the nicest. 
they also had good people working on it, which meant that there were um, less mistakes, there were more things in it, and the people who didn't like Vilna Shas, it was like a firm thing. They felt it was a little more modern, uh, whatever, masculine, you know, that was the, the flavor of it. But it wasn't based on any I, I don't believe that there was any big difference in, in, in that. <laughs> they had more mefarshim, everyone had their own mefarshim and hagas and so on and so forth. But, but that's, but that's a, a, um, and, and it's interesting, when Frankel put out the Rambam, it was an incredible work. Person was Mashkia Kolhoyne, and a really incredible work to find Rambam. One of the things he worked on was the different uh, girsos. So he had three types of girsos. There was the very few that he actually changed the text inside, where all the manuscripts were not like the printed one. It was very clear from everything. He had those that he felt were very important, probably right, but not certainly, and those he wrote on the side. And then alternative gersos that may make sense, he put in the back. That was his thing. It, he, I think the system itself he started in the, in the second one. The, the, when he changed the gersa inside, the stipel took his name off it. He felt we should never ever, even under all circumstances, as it is the status quo, leave it that way. He didn't, he didn't want to dispute it, but he felt, you know, we should, that, that's sort of a, a totso of that attitude not to change the gears on any circumstance. Al Kaponim, so, so let's just briefly review all the points. Um, Rabbi Gershom was really a pivotal, at a pivotal point in Jewish history. The fact that we don't know much about him but we know a lot, Rashi was a Talmud of a Talmud, um, and everyone referred to him as the Maragola. He was the one who created a system, and in many areas, that actually became the basis for Jewish human life. So it was A, in the fact that he, um, his Pirushim they wrote, whether him or Talmidim or Chaverim, that became the, the foundation for the new type of like Rashi primarily, that's, that's like the first one. His, um, the fact that he seemed to be such a strong figure in setting up communal life over there. His takanis in all the types, whether those takanis that withstood the test of history or not, and there's, and there's a lot of machlokas, which, which, which takanis are cheirim, which are not cheirim, which are meant to be for always, which are meant to be for always, but whatever it is, the, the, um, the Takanas obviously put down Jewish communal life in Ashkenaz as long as it was destined to survive on, on, on very healthy foundations. It had to do with the economic interactions and the businesses and, and the fights and the machlokas. And, and a, lot of, a lot of the Takanas relate to different aspects of that. Um, the fundamental Takanas regarding Jewish family life, which, which seem very important, the ones about allowing people who did shuva and came back to have a second start. It obviously was a very important point. It was a sore point. You know, your, your next door neighbor fries out and he becomes a Christian and he calls you names and he's going to church and that. And one day he comes to do tshuva, you, you have a, a, a feeling you'd like him to suffer a little bit. You know, maybe crucify him or something. But, but, but Tachlis, um, he understood and that it's not, you know, we, we need to give people a chance to come back. Um, and, and his Kalolos, and, and the, the very legacy that in Germany, Takanis Kehillah were actually very, very strong. Um, we don't have records in Sfarad of, of Takanis Kehillah of that type. 
the, the, the tzura of a kehillah with takana and so on, in, you know, we have a lot of Pincase kehillahs. This, this is, was the prototype for it, that a killer arranges its affairs, makes takanis that keep the, 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 the economic field level and, and good for everybody, and, and whatever else is needed for Jewish life. So it's sometimes like a building where you're impressed by the great building, but you understand that because of foundations, that, it's, that it has such a kiyum. And and Rabbi Gershom is the was the founding foundation stone for 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 Ashkenaz Jewry for uh, and Bnei Ashkenaz afterwards. Okay.